Christmas is when we receive the gift, but Easter is when we get to unwrap that gift. Welcome to Easter Sunday at Upper Room. We're so thankful you're here. And uh, man, I've had this, this, this message burning on my heart. And I'll be honest, I've probably spent more hours on this than, than a message in a very long time. Not because I'm nervous, not because of, of it being just Easter Sunday or something special, but I feel like there was this message burning in me that I want to come out in a structured format that you get to receive the embodiment, the love, the power of Jesus today. So whether, whether you're here in person or watching online, our hope is that you leave transformed and not just for one week, not just for this day, but, but that we can reflect every day on the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the return of Jesus. So, so the, the, the real theme here is hope. Without Jesus, there really isn't true hope. And, and that's the reality. We can hope in these things, but if they're not eternal, and the only thing eternal is Jesus, then there's, the hope is lost. It, it serves nothing. That job, that promotion, that money, that house, that car, that thing that we often in our society want to chase and pursue mean absolutely nothing because we're not going to take it to heaven with us anyway. Our blessed assurance and our hope is Jesus Christ. And it, and it takes form in the crucifixion, the resurrection, his, his spirit being em, empowered in us and, and, and filled up in us, all right, and then the hope of his return. So we're going to, there's four points today. I know Steve Justice is proud of me at this moment. There are four clear points today. I'm not just going to ramble through scripture and cry and, and try to give you my heart today. I, that might happen. I, this is a disclaimer. I might cry. I, I might pause for long periods of time, like right now, because <laughs> I encountered a real living Jesus about 14, 15 years ago, that I'll never be the same, and I never want to be. I was this hard firefighter, seeing death all the time, power lifting at the time, and I hadn't cried in several years, but God. So there's my disclaimer. I might cry a little. We just don't tell anybody. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about Bruno. We don't, so. I could have went on, but I stopped. You're welcome, Nicole. There was a filter there. All right, so the four promises of Jesus we're going to focus on, and these are his last days. And if you look at most of the times, even when Paul's writing his letters and you go to Peter, most of the time when we're talking about the crucifixion, his blood, the cross, there's also in there usually the resurrection, but it's almost without fail his return. So today we're going to focus on the fact that the crucifixion and that he was crucified and shed a blood for us to be redeemed, to be set free, to be forgiven, right? So that's, that's going to be the first thing, that, that we were cleansed, that we were covered, and that we were welcomed into and invited into covenant. The next thing is, is the resurrection, okay? So he conquered death on the grave. And like Nicole was saying, when he rose up and the tomb was empty, we get to rise with him for eternity. The third thing, the third promise is his Holy Spirit. And we're going to read in context that he promised that we wouldn't be left as orphans, that we have a comforter, an advocate, and we will be filled with the Holy Spirit with power. And the fourth promise is his return, his blessed return. And, and our true hope, and the story didn't end at the cross. Listen, he, he's not a baby in a manger anymore. He's not a broken man on a cross, if you can remember the song. He's alive. He's alive. The story didn't end at the cross. This is actually just the beginning. And, and some of us, maybe within the last 15 years like me, or, or maybe the last months, or the last weeks, or today, today might be the day that this is actually the new beginning for you. That because of his death, we get to be alive. 
And we're new creatures in Christ where our old man is dead. And sometimes if you've been here long enough, you, I, I constantly say, I got to remind that old man he's dead. On the interstate behind somebody going really slow, when my kids frustrate me, <laughs> like all these things, right? Like that old man's dead. I just got to remind him every once in a while so I can live as the new creature in Christ. So first off, the crucifixion. And I'm going to bounce around through a lot of scripture. Today. Are you okay that you're in a church that reads some scripture? Hopefully. If not, oh, my wife. I've got a timer set, y'all. I would love a water, though. I, I had one picked out for me. It's right there, babe. Okay, so we're going to start in John 19, go to 20, and then we're also going to go to Matthew. Isn't she lovely? Isn't she lovely? All right, so John 19, and, and we're actually... Um, I'm, I'm just going to kind of give you the, the paraphrased version and give you a bullet list. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read all the scripture, but there's a couple key ones that I'm going to focus in on in Matthew 27-ish, uh, 28, and, Ma and John 19, and then into 20. And so I might skip around, but that's the context if you want to study this at home. Last week I said, man, look up Isaiah 53, then read the Gospels. There are four Gospel accounts of Jesus' crucifixion, his trial, his death, and his resurrection. So that's for you to take home and study, all right? But here, here's the deal. If you go through that journey, and if you've been with us the last couple weeks, I'm just going to recap in the way of the, the process of this crucifixion to the resurrection. Also, uh, if you were with us Good Friday, man, that was a beautiful service. We hope that you can join us next year. It was just amazing. We take Good Friday to celebrate and just honestly reflect on the crucifixion. We take Good Friday to honor Jesus and have communion and have a family service in doing such. So that way, today, we come in here and we get to celebrate his resurrection. And it's, it's so intimate on Friday. So just if you haven't been with us, I'm going to recap. So, so through the process of John 19 and, and all these things, and I'm just going to stop at two clear points. But we go through and Jesus was betrayed. So, so as we go through this, think about the things in your life where you were betrayed or, or you were mocked or, or these things, right? Jesus became the perfect example. And when we get to one process, he stands on the cross. Let, let me get there. So he was betrayed. He was falsely accused. He was put on trial. As an innocent man. And instead of freeing Jesus who was innocent, all of a sudden the crowd changed Pilate's mind and, and they, they freed Barabbas. And then all of a sudden his clothes, he was whipped, his clothes were torn off. And this is graphic. Let me, let me just say this, that in Isaiah 52, it says that he could not be distinguished between animal and man. He was so gruesomely beaten and so disconfigured, you couldn't actually tell that he was even a human being anymore. That moves me because that's personal and he did it for me. And he did it for you. He was beaten so bad and he said yes so that we could have eternal life with him, the father. He reunited the family because sin had separated us at the fall of Adam and Eve. So here we have this, this Messiah, this Savior, not just a teacher and prophet, but we had this Messiah who took this brutal beating and this brutal crucifixion, this brutal death for you and I, so much so that he was so disconfigured, they couldn't even tell if he was an animal or a human being. So then he was mocked, he was spit on, they gambled about who would get what part of his clothes, he had to carry his own cross, the nails were driven into his body and his flesh. And he was violently placed in the ground and hung on the cross in a posture with a wide open hug for you and me. <laughs> with wide open arms 
willingly, freely dying a gruesome death. He who knew no sin took on all of our sin because the joy set before him, he endured the cross for us. I'm just quoting scripture to you. So he hangs up there. And even as they're mocking him, even as he's been brutally beaten and bruised for our iniquities and our sins, here's the things that he's saying. Forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. That's his heart. So as we go through things in our life, Jesus became the perfect example of how we deal with that. When somebody's against you, somebody's lying about you, somebody's turning their back on you, somebody's betraying you, you didn't get that promotion, how'd Jesus handle it? Forgive them, Lord, Father, forgive them. You know best here. Your mercy right now is triumphing this judgment. Your love is more powerful than this. Your power of your spirit will cover this. Your grace is sufficient for all of our needs, right? So we go on here, and, and, and we, we get to a couple things, and all of a sudden, that he, he died. And, and I want to read John 19, 32 through 34. It says, So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus, but when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was dead, and so they didn't break his legs. This was a prophecy coming to pass. If you read on, you'd figure that out. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water flowed out. There was first man Adam. Hopefully there's enough church people in here to know that the beginning of creation, in the first six days, God created the heavens and the earth and all that would be within it. And every seed, therefore, came from those six days. And on the seventh, he rested, going back to Genesis 1. So if we look, Adam was put to sleep, and a rib was pulled out to create Eve. And when Adam awoke, all of a sudden, his bride, Eve, was next to him. We go to the cross, and what we see here is, as he died, he was pierced, and all of a sudden, blood and water was shed for us, symbolic that the Spirit was being poured out and covering and cleansing us, and his blood was paying a price for us. And all of a sudden, when he awoke, his bride had formed into the body of Christ. From the old to the new covenant. Suddenly, this, this changed. So I want to I read one other thing here. Then all of a sudden, an earth quaked. So we're going to go to Matthew. Is it cool if I'm just skipping around a little on you? On Friday, Troy Christian Schools had chapel from kindergarten to 12th. We're like, man, how do you preach a message to that? I was like, I try to do it every week. We have people that have never heard the name Jesus coming here, all the way to, to Steve, who's been through seminary school, right? I'm like, how, how, do we, how do we do this? And I'll tell you how we reach all ages, all levels of intellect, all levels of education. Jesus. He crosses all boundaries, all barriers, all, all everything. So we get to Matthew 27 here. And around verse 50, Basically, the ground began to shake. There was an actual earthquake. Darkness fell. And it says this, Then Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Then the earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. This is crazy stuff. All of a sudden, Jesus is crucified. There is an actual earthquake that broke out. Have you ever even seen where they made the Passion of the Christ, the guy that was on the cross was struck by lightning three times? Making the movie. So all of a sudden, the Messiah is crucified, the Messiah dies, and all of a sudden, the earthquakes, and there is a visible veil, a visible curtain that they see visually that is torn from heaven to earth. 
I want to go back to the Old Covenant, New Covenant. See, the Old Covenant said that you had to sacrifice an animal, bring it to the tabernacle. I'm just giving you a little history here. Is that cool? So the Old Covenant is, and then there was a high priest. There was the, the, the high priest that on the Day of Atonement, he would go into the holiest of holies, and that was separated. The, the, the area of sacrifice the, the, in the tabernacle, and I'm just trying to simplify this a bit. There was, this, there was the Ark of the Covenant back there, and that was basically a box that housed Holy Spirit, that housed the, the presence of God, okay? I would love for you to research some of this. It's so cool. And there was a curtain that separated the, the people going to make those blood sacrifices and the high priest. Only the high priest could go back there, and only on one day a year, the Day of Atonement, could he repent on your behalf for your sins, and, and so on and so forth. But it was a blood sacrifice that was required that, that happened. Also, there was that separation, let's say, from the common folk or anybody else than the high priest. So this is so prophetic, and this is so inviting to the hope of Jesus and the relationship and, and the power of the Holy Spirit that all of a sudden, when Jesus died on the cross, that veil was torn from heaven to earth. That veil was removed. So now we don't have to go through the high priest. He is the high priest. We don't have to wait for a day for somebody to go on our behalf. We have an all-access pass to the presence, the power, the goodness, the love, and Jesus himself. This is the hope of Easter. This is the hope of Jesus that no longer is there any separation because of sin, because of my life, because of distance, because of me not knowing. All of a sudden, Jesus said, no, it, and he literally said, quote, it is finished. Everything that we have done, everything that's in our past, everything that's behind us, it is finished. And all of a sudden, it was torn from heaven to earth. So now we get to go to God. We get to go with joy. The Bible even says we get to approach his throne with what? Boldness. With confidence. That's the Jesus that we serve. He is a friend. Oh, man, it's about to get good. We look at this Jesus as this far-off God who, who sits on a throne just ready for us to mess up, just ready to judge us, just ready to bring down the gavel. Like, no, he is a, he is a creator. He creates only good things. He, he is the Father. He is a friend. He is Messiah. He is Savior. He is Healer. All of these things, 951 natures and titles of God, who he actually is. But so often Christianity and so often religion will say he's a judge. Man, that is only one aspect of God, and he does judge. He judges the wrong and the right. <laughs> I want to be on this side <laughs> because I have a hope of his return. Let, let me move on. So then, all of a sudden, he was placed in a tomb. Mary, others, they went to this tomb. It was empty. And then we see in Matthew, uh, we go to Matthew 28.8. I don't even think I gave it to this, to them. He is not here. He is risen. So then he resurrected. And then later on, he ascended. He began to appear to, to Mary. He began to appear to the disciples. If you read on further into the Gospels, he, he's making these appearances, right? And then all of a sudden, he ascends to heaven. And then there is this final promise that says, but I'll come to you. I'll return to you. So Jesus' blood and his finished work, it paid in full. You see, when we're saying something isn't, isn't possible, when we're saying, well, I don't know if God can do this, we're actually saying that his blood isn't powerful enough. Because my Bible says with God, all things are possible. I, my Bible says that his grace is sufficient for all needs. There's no limits with God. There's only limits within our mentality. Let, let, let me move on here. So the cross wasn't just for mere salvation. 
It was to welcome us into a family and a cleansing, a covering. His crucifixion paid a powerful price for you and I to be forgiven, redeemed, set free, and to continually walk in that freedom without shame. Let me just say that. Sin sometimes takes us somewhere, but it's shame that keeps us there. God not only forgave your sin, he releases you and redeems you from all the shame attached to it as well. Whether that sin you did or it was done to you. Uh, let's move on. Different message. John 14, 1 through 4. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Now, now Jesus is talking to disciples. Here's our, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. Because one day, we get to join him in this giant mansion with Lamborghinis peeling out and streets of gold. It's going to be epic, y'all. If, if it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I'm going. This is not only a promise of the Holy Spirit saying we're not going to be alone. This is a promise of his return to bring us back home with him. Now moving on to verse 15. If you love me, obey my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, capital letters, an advocate, the Holy Spirit, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you will also live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. When I am resurrected... You know that this prophecy has come to pass, but it ain't over yet because the Holy Spirit's being poured out and I'm going to return. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me and my Father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Everyone, this is, a, this is an invitation to all humanity. Jews, Gentiles, Christians, non-believers, atheists, agnostics, Muslims, like, this is an invitation for all, even those that we don't agree with. Republicans, Democrats, Tea Party, all of them. Independents, I think I just covered them all there pretty much, right? We ain't getting political today. Today. It's an invitation for all. Next, his resurrection. Now, here, here's, we're going to spend just a moment here. The cross was the price, but the resurrection's our prize. You see... Jesus didn't stop at the cross. He's not still hanging there. He's alive. And, and here's the thought. Here was the sentence that I heard clearly driving in my uh, 2013 Dodge Durango that says Troy Fire Department on the side with a car four on the front. And God says this. He says, he says Jesus' resurrection was hope for all of my promises and is hope for my return. And I was like, that day, Nicole's asking, like, what, what's the theme for Easter? And I heard that so clearly. I was like, it's hope. I text. It's hope. Kaylee made a cool graphic. We put it out there. Today's message is hope. His, so, so let me, I'll get there in a moment, all right? But let me just say this. 2 Corinthians one twenty says, for all his promises are yes and amen. So let me, let me just say this. I want to put a little foundation here. If his resurrection came to pass... And if you've been here any, any sort of time where you can go look it up, I oftentimes will reference the study done uh, by, it was by the National Science Council. 
all right? And it was a study that was also facilitated by a mathematics and astrology professor. Uh, his name was Peter Stoner, okay? You can look this up. And it was the probability of the prophecies that came to pass, 300 prophecies, through Jesus' uh, birth, life, crucifixion, resurrection, and return. And, and it was the power that even eight came to pass. It was like quarters wrapped around Texas so many times, uh, from here to the end of the galaxy. Like it was this crazy mathematical equation proving scientifically that if even eight of those prophecies that came to pass, which did, then all of a sudden the mathematical proof of, of Christ's return and, and the validity of the word even that was written and prophesied over 400 years prior. Okay, so, so this is the cool thing that, that <laughs> I get geeked out about this sometimes. I don't see that all of you are as geeked out as I am right now. But it's okay. You might get there. So here's the point. We're celebrating his resurrection. But the same proof and prophetic evidence of his resurrection in the same account of the gospels on so many, like Corey said last week, all right, on so many accounts and the proof and the validity that this is absolute truth, right? It doesn't change with time. And we don't take out the stuff we're just comfortable with. It's, it's this absolute truth. So all of a sudden, if and as much as his resurrection is true, his return is true too. And what a glorious day that's going to be. I'm so looking forward to this. So, so, Corey, I was like, they're like, what are you preaching on Sunday? I was like, I'm preaching on the hope, and I'm going through the crucifixion, resurrection, and his return. Corey's like, if you do that, I'm giving you a kiss. I'm ready. If you can tie the rapture and his return into the resurrection, I'm giving you a kiss. I, man, we're going to have a brotherly kiss later. <laughs> so Jesus himself is hope. Let, let, me, let me just, we'll, we'll get there in a minute. But, but the hope of his resurrection is as much as his hope is return. Now, I want to share a story. I grew up in a culture. I grew up in a, in, a, in, a, in a church realm, or at least in my home or heart. I received the return of Jesus as fear. Right? Because I just wasn't ready. <laughs> I wasn't right. And I remember, like, if anybody else have had this thing, I think I shared this once just recently, but I was, like, in third grade. I walked home from, from Favorite Hill School in Piqua. I went to my McKinley Avenue house, and I got there. My dad wasn't home. He was at work, and that, that was cool. But my mom wasn't home, and my mom was always home when I got home from school. And my sisters and my brother wasn't home, and I was alone. I was like, what? Jesus came back. <laughs> I missed it. I called my grandma and grandpa. They didn't answer. They lived about four blocks away. I ran to their house. They're not there. They're always home. My aunt who lived with them and the uncle, they weren't home. I was like, Jesus returned. I missed it. I'm crying. I'm freaking out. I run back home. And all of a sudden, my mom shows up. So I was late, Aaron. That's what was put in me. I was so afraid of, of the rapture. And Revelation was positioned as a fear tactic and get the, scare the hell out of me rather than get the love of the Father in me. Peter Lewis, a friend, he came here last August or so, or July, from Upper Room, Dallas. And we're in a leaders meeting out there. Now, I, I was kind of saved, got saved again. Then I probably got saved a couple more times, like Corey was saying last week. And then, like, 15 years ago, I had this encounter with Jesus that radically transformed my heart and mind and my thinking and who I was. 
And then a few weeks after that, I have this dream where I was ascending to heaven, and Jesus had returned, the trumpets were blowing in this dream, and I'm, I'm ascending to heaven, and I'm, I'm trying to pull people up with me, and the hands are just like, back then I was stronger than I am now. I was, I was like in a powerlifting. I, I was a cooler cat than I am now. Anyway, so arms were just slipping through my fingers, and I remember just like weeping. It's so real, so tangible, so, so radical. And I remember just holding, trying to bring as many people as I could to heaven. And I just said to the Lord, I was like, I'll do that for the rest of my life. I'll try to pack out heaven for you, Jesus, because you're that good. And I just remember the, the desperation I had in this, and in all of my mind, I couldn't do it. But I wanted people just to join me. And I remember seeing family members and friends and people I knew, people I didn't know, and just trying to bring as many. I was like, I will serve you the rest of the days of my life, and I will try to bring as many people to heaven with, with me as I can. So... Fast forward 15 years, I've been pursuing the Lord, and while pursuing the Lord, trying to bring others along with me. And Peter Lewis was here, and we had a leader lunch right out in that narthex, our entryway there. And, and, he, and he said, before we start the meeting, have you had this thought that there's a day coming where we will see Jesus face to face? That he's returning, and we're going to get to see the glory of Jesus. I sat there, and I teared up. I began to cry. I know that's not a shock. But here's the shock, that I've never had that thought. I knew saved, redeemed, set for right, like total born-again Christian. But I've never had that hope, thought, or anticipation of seeing Jesus in heaven in the fullness of his glory and all of him, seeing him face to face. So today, for me, the resurrection was the seed for his eventual return, where we'll see him face to face in his eternal glory. Can somebody come to the piano? I don't know where you are. I see tons of familiar faces and unfamiliar faces. And I don't care if you're that 15-year pastor at that point, I was a pastor so many years, and it felt like I just got born again again. And it felt like I, 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 I had this moment with Jesus that all of a sudden this entire another layer of peace came on me to know that no matter what happens to me or if he returns or if I die or, or go in that fire or whatever that my kids and my wife are taken care of. Things that we worry about as men. Not things that, like, upper room be great, you know? These things and these things that we wear, like, well, what will happen if I die? Well, are the kids taken care of? Is Nicole going to be okay? Is she going to end up with some stud better than me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Probably she's smoking hot. Anyway. Here comes Peter Cottontail hopping down the bunny trail. I got to get off that trail right now. I might be the only pastor that can be crying and laughing at the same time and have you doing both and not know where I'm going next. Anyway, here I am never focusing on his return. But let me just say this. His resurrection became the open invitation to look forward to his return, not as a fear, not as a judgment, but an eternal glory, joy, and hope. Oh, let's go to Hebrews 8. I am, I am, I'm about a third of the way through my message, but I think we're just going to wrap it up with a few scriptures here. Because I believe there's an invitation here that no matter where you're at, no matter how long you've been there, I believe the Lord wants to renew something, not from the old covenant, but the new covenant. That today he is the high priest 
and he is the lamb that was slain for the sacrifice for our atonement. And that he has promised that not only would you be cleansed and covered and in covenant, but he promised that he, was res he, he would resurrect and that he would come back to life and invite us back to that same eternal life. And he promised that his spirit would be poured out on all flesh and that we would receive power when the spirit is in us. And he promised that his spirit would not only be in us, but it would be with us and he'd be an advocate and a comforter and a guide, right? This is the Messiah. And then his ultimate promise, always linked with almost everything when you read it, is his return. And I hope today that you don't leave here, I hope there is enough blessed assurance in the hope of Jesus and your security and who he is and how good he is and how he's a good loving father. I would hope there's enough security in that, that you no longer fear his return or fear that is this the end times or fear that is this war is this or this pandemic is the end times. No, that that's a blessed assurance and a hope that Jesus is returning and it is good. It is not a fear, it is not a bad thing. Let me just tell you this, we get to leave all this mess behind. I will never put on another mask in heaven for the rest of eternity. I will never have to worry about whether I get a shot or not get a shot in eternity because there's no illness, disease, or pandemic. I'm not going either way on that. I'm not stepping into that ground, no. Listen. I love the blessed assurance and hope that Revelations talks about when all of eternity and all of glory have their attention focused on Jesus, the Messiah, with eyes of fire, long white hair that's curly, the colors, the, and there's these creatures and these cherubim and angels that can never take their eyes off Jesus because he's that magnificent. I want that day but I don't want to just wait for eternity for it to happen I want to be in awe of God now I want to be on in all of his goodness now. I want to be filled with the power of his spirit and I want to be in love with Jesus I want to have hope in him let me let me move on here let's just do Hebrews 8 1 through 2 here's the main point we have a high priest who sat down in the place of honor beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven. There he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle, no longer the earthly tabernacle, no longer the day of atonement or through a man priest or Aaron or anybody else. He is the high priest. And it says the true place of worship that was built by the Lord and not by human hands. When we skip to, to 9 verse 24, it says, for Christ did not enter into a holy place made by human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into a heavenly, it's in heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. And he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again like a high priest here on earth who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. If that had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again ever since the world began. But now, once and for all, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death and sacrifice. Thank God we don't have to do that anymore. Be a bloody mess in here. And just as each person is destined to die once and after that comes judgment, so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again. Next time, not to deal with sin, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly awaiting. That's our hope. Growing up the way I grew up as a kid, 
I never thought I'd be preaching the rapture or Christ's return or because I was afraid of it. I don't know, maybe I'm getting older. It's different. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not that old. I don't want to make anybody feel bad in here. But there is a hope in Jesus. There is a hope of his return. There is a hope of his resurrection. As powerful, there is a hope in his return. As powerful as there is a hope that his Holy Spirit's here, ready to be poured out and to empower us and fill us. Oh, man. We're living in a hope-deprived culture, but the good thing is Jesus is a hope dealer. Not a dope dealer, a hope dealer. He's good. We're living in a, in a, in a, in a peace-deprived culture, but he is the Prince of Peace. We're living in an uncertain culture, but there is certainty in the blood of the Lamb. It says in Matthew 12, 21, it says, And his name is hope to all the world. He alone is hope. He alone is hope. Let, let me get on this for a minute here, because if you look at the cross, if you look at Mary, even Mary and Martha, Corey shared a story, and it's funny how Nicole and Corey preached the same message two weeks in a row without knowing. It's awesome. But, but here's the deal. Mary and Martha bring the, Jesus to Lazarus who is dead. They were hopeless, but thank God for hope. There was a hopeless situation, but the situation doesn't change my hope or faith because hope is literally a faith realm because it's, it's, faith is a substance of things hoped for, not seen. Hebrews, a few chapters later. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, not seen. So we may see a desolate situation. We may see cancer, but God sees something different. They saw Lazarus is dead. Not anymore. Blind Bartimaeus had a hopeless situation, but Jesus became the hope. The woman with the issue of blood had a hopeless situation. She had went for 11 or 12 years and had and went to every doctor, spent her entire inheritance, everything that she had earned and everything she had done, and yet had found any restoration whatsoever. But then one day she just touched Jesus and was forever changed because he is hope. He is healing. He is love. He is power. The paralytic man lowered by his friends, this, the, the, the little child in epilepsy, the child that was dead and the, the parents brought Jesus, all of a sudden hope came and life was restored. Hope came over 2,000 years ago and he was resurrected and life was restored. Jesus sees things, listen, listen, hope is connected to faith and it's the way we see things. God may see something totally different than us. See, we may see a problem, but God sees an opportunity. We may see dry bones, but he sees an army. We may see a giant, but he sees victory. We may see a trial, but he sees grace. We may see a frustration, but he sees justice. We may see a cross, but let me say, he saw redemption. We may have seen a death, but he saw life. We may have seen a tomb, but he saw a resurrection. We may have saw an event, but he saw eternal life. He sees way beyond what we see. Why don't you stand with me? I want to finish with a story and then a couple of verses. Since I have you standing, I know my time limit's about four and a half minutes. So this prevents me from continuing to go and close about five more times because I'll start to see people get antsy. I know P90 
peanut butter pie and peanut butter eggs and casseroles and hammer, calling my name and yours. Bob Lewis told me this cool story that fits so well for today. Harvard did a study. There was three mice. There's a good ending, so, so Peter and everybody else watching online, don't get mad yet. Harvard threw three mice in a, in a thing of water to see how long they would survive. Fifteen minutes, they gave up. They, pulled, they rescued the three little mice, pulled them out of the water. They did it again. They threw those same three mice back into the water. And with hope, knowing they would likely be rescued again. See, when we go through suffering, Romans 15, it talks about the suffering, right? And we want, we want the glory of the resurrection, but there is something powerful in the suffering. And many of us will give up because hope deferred makes the heart sick, as, as Psalm says. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. So all of a sudden, if we're not seeing this, see, vision gives pain a purpose. Vision, if I can see the end, if I can see the why, if I can see the end, all of a sudden I will push through pain to get there. If I can see that I will one day have abs, I can push through the pain to one day get there. I haven't yet, but it's that peanut butter pie. But this vision, so, so all of a sudden they knew that they'd be rescued. So the next time they put them in, guess how, those, how long those little fellows lasted? 60 hours. 60 hours without hope they gave up at 15 minutes because suffering without the hope we want to end we're done we give up but when we have the hope of Jesus we continue to endure if you remember Paul's letters all of a sudden many times he's like just keep enduring because Christ is returning keep keep enduring there is blessed assurance these were men and women and in communities and people groups that were being persecuted to death and he's saying keep enduring because there is hope of Christ's return listen he has died for you he resurrected for you and there is hope of his return it is a hope it is a blessed assurance it is a good thing Romans 15, 13 says this. It says, I pray that the God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that a great closing verse on Easter, Resurrection Sunday? Oh man, joy and peace and confident hope and reassurance that not only did he die for me and paid the price for me, he rose again and conquered death on earth. He literally went down to hell, took the keys. And guaranteed and locked in our blessed assurance of his return. Oh man. In 2 Corinthians 6 2, it says that today is the day of salvation. And if you looked at the Greek translation of that, it's salvation there is, is used as the word sozo. We're familiar with it in this body, but some may not be. Sozo is the Greek word that stands for and is embodiment of saved, healed, and delivered. And, and Paul is saying today, every day, today, right now, this moment too, is the day of being saved, healed, delivered, set free, hope-filled, joy-charged, peace-embodied, and Holy Spirit-filled. Today is that day. Today is the day that is whole healing, not, not just eternal salvation with a heaven ticket. I'm talking about the wholeness because John 10.10 10 says that Jesus came to give life and life abundance. As an enemy, the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. Life on earth, Holy Spirit in me, walking in life, and also abundant life in heaven, his return. And his promises are yes and our amen. 
So, I believe this. I believe the Lord wants to save, heal, and deliver. I believe he wants to pour out his spirit and fill people up with the power of his spirit today. And I also believe he wants to give people of his return, hope of his return. That's where I'm at. I want you, since August, I'm unable to speak about his return without getting so emotional, so excited, yet in awe, yet Oh, it's crazy. I can't even explain it. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to go prematurely. We're all appointed a time. I don't want to go before that time. But I'm looking forward to when that time is. So, let's just do a corporate-wide blessing here. Just hold your hands out. Remember, the gift was given at Christmas, his birth. We get to unwrap that gift today resurrection came to the earth to seek and save that which was lost the Bible says he came to seek and save that which was lost not just who that maybe you've lost hope maybe you've lost peace maybe you've lost reassurance of his return maybe maybe you've lost fun maybe you've lost the feeling of justice and whatever else has happened in the last two or three crazy years I believe Jesus still, the same yesterday, today, and forever, came to seek and save that and who, which was lost. So I'd love to just pray for you, that you will be saved, healed, and delivered today, and that you will be filled with this Holy Spirit with power, and that you will have a hope of his return. So if you could, I'm just going to pray for you. Just hold your hands out. This is the gift. Lord, we thank you for the hope. We thank you for the hope of your crucifixion. We thank you for the hope of the cleansing of your blood, the power of your blood, the power that was shed, that you were bruised for our iniquities, for our chastisement, for our iniquities, Lord, everything, Lord. We thank you for the cross. We thank you that you were on the cross with wide open arms, ready to embrace us and welcome us into heaven forever. We thank you that the veil was torn from, from heaven to earth. And that we have all access into the new covenant as new creatures. I thank you, Lord, today. We thank you for the resurrection. We thank you for the resurrection power. We thank you that you were brought back to life and you welcome us from dead to our sins to life in eternity, Jesus. We thank you. Lord, we thank you right now for an infilling of your Holy Spirit with power. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. right now just receive that like it's literally just flowing in you like it's being poured out straight from heaven just receive that right now i'm going to take a moment there and just let you receive that the gift of the holy spirit an advocate a comforter a guide and that you will receive power when the spirit comes upon you thank you for the power of your holy ghost thank you jesus that we're not orphans we're not slaves we are sons and daughters and you're a good father for that, Lord, we thank you for a hope of your return. So, Lord, I pray for just an awe of you, a worship of you, Lord, a worship that's from a revelation of the awe of you, of how good you are, and a hope of your return that we get to spend eternal glory with you, that one day, one day we will see you face to face. <laughs> oh, man. One day we will see you face to face in glory. One day. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Man, we thank you. You're so good.
bless you, Father. In Jesus' name, the church shouts. Woo! Now listen, you can stay standing. We're going to dismiss here in just a second. Um, we have prayer teams, and we have prayer people that will pray with you. Um, so listen, if you've come today and you don't have that blessed assurance, you don't have that hope, you don't know where your eternal uh, realm, where your eternal final destination will be, man, we want to welcome you as, as the angels in heaven welcome you. Maybe today, in that moment, you gave your heart and accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Maybe in that moment, you said, hey, I want that. Maybe in that moment you said, man, I've never actually felt this. I've never felt, I've um, cried this, sir, whatever. We're going to have prayer people here to say like, hey, this is what's happening. This is, this is the journey. Here's what's next. We have this, this, this thing called growth track. We have this discipleship group called Thrive. We have all these avenues to say, okay, man, you are saved, set free, delivered. You are walking in reconciliation. Now what's next? Now's purpose walking with Holy Spirit. Maybe you need healing in your body. Maybe you need healing in a relationship, finances, whatever it may be. We have people that will pray for you. Um, but man, if you need Jesus, I, I, I'd be very remorseful if I didn't offer one more time the gift of salvation. So I'd love to do that just right now real quick. If you need Jesus, again, <laughs> maybe you came with mom or grandma or maybe you've just never received Jesus or you don't recall it was so long ago as a little kid or something. And I'd love just, and would you have the courage to just raise your hand and we just love people to just put their hand on you right where you're at. And I'm gonna lead you through a prayer. If you want Jesus, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. If you want Jesus right now in this moment, you want his blood to cover you right now. You want that resurrecting power to live in eternity with him, just, just raise your hand. Is there, are there more? Ha. Heaven is dancing for you. Heaven is throwing a party for this lady right here, for this daughter of God right now. Is there anybody else? There's one more. Is there anybody else? I'm going to wait for 30 more seconds or less. Is there anybody else? <laughs> There's another one right there. Man, you're a son of the beloved. Ah, he loves you. Is there any more? Just look, whoever's around that man right there, love on him. There was a little boy in the back. Just love on that little boy. Guide him. Is there anybody else? Come on, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of walking in freedom. Today is the day. Is there anybody else? Just raise your hand right where you're at. We're not going to call you up front. Just raise your hand. three new names that are about to be added to the Lamb's Book of Life. <laughs> there are three new, yeah, come on. Come on. Maybe there's somebody watching online. There are three names that are going to see his face, face to face, in the glory of Jesus. Man, our prayer is that he fills you with his spirit and that you look back to this day and that this is the best day of your life moving forward. We thank you, Jesus. If you need further prayer, we're going to welcome you up to the front with these prayer team. Um, the info bar is open. And, uh, man, there's some chicks out there you can get pictures with. I am not talking about the ladies at the info bar or our wives. I'm talking about baby little chickens. So, hey, 
May you walk out of here full of hope of Jesus. We love you. We thank you. If you raise your hand, if you could come up here, and uh, we would love to tell you about our other ministries and uh, make sure you have a Bible and things like that. But we love you. God bless you guys. Happy Easter, Resurrection Sunday.